Good to see you. Do you want to grab a seat? Let me, uh, if you haven't met my, me, my name's Stuart. Um, let me talk about a little bit before we get into what we're going to talk about today, what's coming over the next couple of weeks. Next week, um, we have Andy Martin with us speaking. Andy, if you haven't met Andy, he's been a number of times to the church. He oversees us as a church, as part of our movement of churches we're a part of, the Catalyst Movement. He's based in a church down in the center of town in Birmingham. Uh, church central in the middle of town, and he comes up every so often. He meets with us, the leaders, with me and Mel. He's a great encouragement. He's worked huge overseas uh, in majority Muslim nations, just serving churches out there. So he's going to be with us next Sunday, so please come. He'll have some great stories of all the things that God is doing in other parts of the world, which is, I think, brilliant to hear because it kind of broadens our perspective. The week after that, which is the 9th of July, we're starting our summer sermon series on the book of Ruth. Um, Book of Ruth in the Old Testament. And what I want to do, I'm telling you this because I just want to give you a heads up to where we're going. What I'd love you to do this week and next week is to just find the Book of Ruth in your Bible, be in the Old Testament after the Book of Judges, and just give it a read. It's a really short book, it's only four chapters. It's a beautiful story about how God works through ordinary people uh, and um, bringing about his kind of purposes. And so if you want to have a read of that this week or next week, do that. It won't take you long just to get you into where we're going. I'm also going to push out a video on our email, a really short one that just gives you an overview of the Book of Ruth. It'd be great to watch that just so you're ready for when we start studying it in a couple of weeks' time. So that's where we're going. All right, uh, but, um, what's in your wallet, Fast Five? We finally got to the end of this. I was meant to preach this many weeks ago. We had the fun run, which moved our diary. I then got ill. Thank you for all those who prayed for me. I'm now better. It was two weeks out, so Mel covered me, and so we swapped, and so I'm here. And then last week was Father's Day, and so we didn't do it then. So we're finally kind of finishing off what we're doing. And what we're looking at today is a subject of giving, and I feel there's some stuff I want to share. The reason I want to share is I felt God speak to me about, it's probably about September, October last year when I was looking ahead, what are we going to do, what's our preaching series, we just started Hebrews, where are we going to finish? And I felt God say, you need to talk about this area of money, because it's such a huge thing in our world today, and we just need to address it, so we have a biblical perspective on that. And I felt God speak to me specifically about what it meant for me, and what we earn, I earn as the kind of the pastor of the church, and what we give, the pastor of church in that whole area, and to actually talk about that and share that with you. And so as part of my sort of talk at the end, that's what's going to be coming out, so you've got that to look forward to. And when I share that stuff, some of you probably going to think I get paid far too much, some of you think I get paid far too little. Some of you be like Goldilocks and say, do you know what? That's just right. It'll be one of those things. But that's where we're heading today. If you've missed the four parts you've done so far, please catch up online. They're all on our website. You can go and look there. And by way of just bringing us up to today, we've talked about over these four weeks, we talked about money and possessions is such a huge thing in our culture Billions are spent every year on advertising, tempting us to uh, buy more and more, spending credit cards. There's so much money um, on finance and loan in this country that's kind of accumulated debt of the nation. If you go on the globalrichlist.com, you find out that actually some of us who earn in this country are in the top 1% of earners in the world. The average UK um, income is £26,000 a year, thereabouts. If you earn more than that, or that or more, you're in the top 1% of earners on the planet. If you earn minimum wage, 13000 a year, roughly, you still end up in the top 
And so we are a hugely wealthy nation. And the pursuit of stuff and the acclamation of wealth is our way of life, particularly here in the West. We have a land of plenty. Just go into the supermarket and just look at the choice you have, the amount of food on the shelves and what there is to eat and what there is to drink. There is so much there that we have available um, to us. But I also reminded us that actually, I read out the quote, I think it was in the second week about from one of the commentators we were looking at, one of these guys who thought about it, he said actually one of the greatest threats facing Western Christianity is not the rise of Islam or atheism or kind of secularism coming in, it's actually uh, the, the acclamation of wealth and affluence that we would actually rather follow money and stuff than follow Jesus and what he said, said to us. And so it's a huge thing for us. And we've gone through four weeks. We looked at loving money on the first week and what that meant for us. We've looked at serving money and we find out that actually you can't serve both God and money. You have to make your choice. Jesus said very clearly and we found out we can't, whatever we accumulate, we can't take it with us. It's all going in a landfill somewhere eventually when it's all worn out and we've gone. And actually our priorities in seeking should be God and his kingdom first and then last time, part four, we looked at stewarding, and actually it works out that all we have is in ours anyway. Everything belongs to God. Everything's ultimately Him. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. So actually all we have, our cars, our homes, our possessions, ultimately are all His. We're merely stewards who just look after His resources and try and do the best with them uh, we can. Now obviously because we're talking about money, I'll put the usual caveats in. We're not suddenly going to take up an offering. There will not be plates going around or anything by the door, so we're not asking for your money today. The church isn't short of money. We're doing okay. Thank you. So we're fine on that front, so you don't need to about money when you want some in. I'm not looking for a raise, so that's not part of this. But hopefully this will be uncomfortable to you. Because when you poke idols, when you poke what people value and hold dear, it should make them uncomfortable. So... That's what we're going to get into today. All right, we're going to look at passage. This is a, a short one from um, the life of Jesus. Can we put it up there, please, on the board? I'll read to you. If you've got a Bible, it's in Luke 21, verses 1 to 4. Luke 21, verses 1 to 4. It's actually mirrored in a couple of the other Gospels, but we're going to read Luke's take on it here. It says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she'd had to live on. She put in all she'd had to live on. Big idea of this morning. We give in response to what God has done to us. We give in response to what God has done for us. Let's look at this story. We've got three things. We've got the temple, we've got the widow, and we've got Jesus. The story that Jesus tells, recorded by Luke, is a contrast between the rich and the poor. And we have this character of the widow. And the widow is an image of poverty in the New Testament. The way it worked, if you're a widow, as well as having the tragedy of losing your husband, what that meant in a patriarchal society is that you would be out of work, you'd be out of income, you'd lose your inheritance, you'd lose your family rights, you'd have to rely on wider family to take care of you, and if they chose they didn't or you didn't have it, you were destitute, in effect. So it's the image of poverty. There was no welfare state, there was no system in place to kind of care for them. And actually, that's why when you read your Bible, there's a particular emphasis on the widow. 
that God says repeatedly throughout the Old and the New Testament that we are to take care of the widow. And the widow was the image of the poor, of the most poor kind of, of society, and that's what it was. And so we had, there was a particular duty God put onto his people that you take care of those who don't have much, that you look after them. And here we have a situation in the temple. That's where the story is set. Now, what they are in the temple, uh, he said they were offering boxes. And the temple had several courts in Jerusalem. And when you went into the first court, it was called, called the Court of Women, where um, people go in, but actually it was the limit of where women could go and also Gentiles could go. And then it went beyond there. But on the side, if you imagine this is the court down the colonnades, down the side of the temple, there was some, a covered area. There were offering boxes. And there, the, the scholars reckon there were 13 of these offering boxes. And these offering boxes were laid out down the colonnades, and on top of them, they were like funnels, like trumpets, kind of inverted trumpets. You had a, a narrow end at the top, and it went wide into the offering boxes. And when people came into the temple, they gave their offerings, and they paid them. We, you see stories about that, and, says, and that's where they went and came. So when you came in, and they would go on um, to the temple, before you went in, that was a place to put your offerings, and it was a side. And Jesus was there, and he was looking and he was part of it because this area apparently it tells us could hold about 6,000 people so it was a pretty big area but down the side it was obvious there were the offering boxes and they were obviously standing there watching because it was quite open quite you could see what was happening we could watch people going up put their offerings in and this widow comes up bear in mind very poor and it says she put in two small copper coins well what does that mean the copper coins were the smallest um, unit of currency they had at the time. So it was, it was the smallest. For us, it's a penny, isn't it? I think the one, who remembers half pennies? Oh, date shit. When you found a 1p, you could go and get two half penny chews at this, this shop. It felt like you'd, just, you'd made it there. I remember that. But now they got rid of the half penny. You've got a penny, and that was the smallest. But for them, this was their smallest. But for those, that probably was, amounted to a day's wage, possibly. But this is what she had. And it says she went to the offering... And she put it in. Now think about this. It says in, it, was the, it was the rich were there, and they put their offering in, and then she put two coins in. Think about the sound. Have you ever been to like a machine where you put your coins in, like a car park machine, or where you, you feed coins into a meter? And what's it sound? You can hear the clinking, can't you? When the rich went in, they put in their coins. Big bags of coins that would have thundered down this, these um, trumpets into the offering box and then clinked on the bottom. Made a nice noise, an impressive noise. If anyone's watching, I'm going to put my offering in. It looks good. The widow went up there. Two coins. Ching, ching. That's probably all the noise it would have made. Not impressive. She put two coins in, it says. And that was probably the equivalent of the daily way. But it says she, that was all she had. That's all she gave. And then Jesus sees this. He's there with his followers and he sees it. And he calls his attention to it. So what he's just seen. He sees this. He sees this widow. He knows because he's God, and he makes this statement. It says, truly I tell you. Now, bear in mind this is Jesus who is God. When he speaks, it's invariably truth. In fact, it's always truth. He's God. He always speaks the truth. So when he says, truly I tell you, he's underlining what he's saying. Saying, pay attention to this bit. If we were having a, if you're writing this in a document, you would probably bold, underlined it, italics, bump the font size up. When they were writing the Gospels, didn't have that, so they, they, they emphasized, Jesus emphasized it. Truly, I say to you, what's he going to say? We've got to listen to this. If I was one of his followers, he's like, uh-oh, Jesus is going to drop one here. Let's listen to this one. Let's listen to what he's going to say. And he says that she has put in more than the others. Now, if you think about that, 
Jesus is wrong, isn't he? She put in two coins. What did the rich put in? Many coins. Basic maths. I have a degree in mathematics. I know more coins, lots of coins, are more than two coins, aren't they? That's obvious mathematics. That the, she clearly didn't. And if I was there, I'd have been, excuse me, Lord, I think you might have got that one wrong. She only put two coins in. I heard the chink chink. The other chap, or whoever they were, chaps, they put in large bags of coins. It went chink, 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 chink. She clearly did not put in more than them. And then Jesus would say, shut up, sure. Okay, you're wrong. All right, all right, Lord. Okay, and I would look at what he said. Actually, and what he's making the point is, she put more in, in God's eyes, than the rich men. She put more in before God than the rich men. How did she do that? Because she gave everything. So the rich gave out of their abundance. Sure, they put more numerically in. Lots of money, lots of coins. But it says, actually... She only put in a couple of coins, but it was everything. And so Jesus commends her out and says, actually, whoa, she put in way more than the others because they gave out of their abundance and she gave out of her poverty. And what we can learn from that is actually it seems to be it's not how much you give, it's how much you've got left. And the rich had plenty left. And what did the widow have left? Nothing. She had nothing. So she gave out of poverty, but yet she gave Everything. Three things I want us to look at out of this sort of application points that we can take away about giving and this widow's actions. Three things. First one, giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. Where did the giving take place? That's not a trick question, guys. The temple. What was at the temple? The presence of God. That's where the whole nation went to worship. Everyone went to the temple. That was the place, the entire nation of Israel. That was their center. God's presence was in the temple. He dwelt amongst his people. Where did they go to worship? The temple. Where did they go to give? In the temple. It was the first thing they did is they came into the temple. They came into God's presence. The offering boxes are there. They came and gave it to him. That's where he did it. So giving is an expression of worship. When that widow gave her two coins, it wasn't just giving money. It wasn't just dropping coins in a box. It was an act of her worship. And giving is a response as a believer to who God is and what he's done for us. To who God is and what he's done for us. Because ultimately we looked in the fourth part, God owns everything. Everything's his, everything. The clothes you're wearing, the home you live in, his, the car you drive, the food you eat, it all ultimately belongs to him. And so actually by giving it, we're just recognizing who he is. And so think about your life. Think about everything you've got in it, where you came from this morning, what you did. When you opened your wardrobe, there was probably a choice of clothes. I had that decision this morning. Do I go Batman, Superman, Captain America? I just, it was a choice. I had that abundance. But ultimately God owns all of those. They're all his things. But not only did he give us stuff that we enjoy, we read the Bible, he gave the ultimate gift. And what was that? Himself. He gave himself to us. What does it mean by that? Well, we take the big story of the Bible. We find that in creation, God created everything. Everything was good and it was brilliant. And God said, that's very good. And he created man. He put him in the garden. He said, multiply, fill the earth, have great life, have relationship with me and enjoy all I've got for you. Man, 
decide to rebel. We're not satisfied with that, God. We want to be in charge. You can't be God. Even though you created us, we want to take that place. We want to be number one. They rebel against God, and the consequence of their rebellion was obvious. It says their relationship with God was broken. Relationship with creation was broken. Relationship with one another was broken. Everything shattered at that point. It all went wrong, and you read the rest of the Bible, and it's just a catalog of disaster after disaster. If you don't believe me, just look, look on the telly. It's just pain and suffering after pain and suffering because man is in rebellion and broken relationship with God. But God says, I love my people. I want to have relationship. I want to build that back. I want to deal with the problem of your rebellion. Rebellion deserves punishment. We all know that. Any crime committed, you had a crime committed against you, you see something horrific on the television, our response is, the perpetrator must be punished. And that's the right response. But then you're the perpetrator, God says. All of us are. We're rebels against God. He says, so you need to be punished. Suddenly we don't like that very much. But God says, I'm going to deal with the problem. How do I do that? I'm going to come myself and deal with the problem. So he comes and he's born as a baby. We've celebrated at Christmas. Jesus. He comes to Bethlehem. God himself comes to earth. Emmanuel, God with her. That's why the angels sang. That's why they appeared. That's why the wise men traveled that way from the The king has come. He rises, um, grows up, becomes a man, lives on the earth. Lives a perfect life. But then he is betrayed and he is subjected to a, a false trial and ultimately he is murdered, crucified. God himself crucified. And on, the, on his death, he pays the punishment that we should have deserved because we were the rebels. He was perfect. Even the people accusing him can get their stories straight. There was nothing to accuse him from. They had to just make up lies. You think, you know, the story there is like, is it all over? No, because he's God. He rises from death, victorious. He rules and reigns. He ascends to heaven. He says to his church, go tell everyone the good news. You can have a relationship with me and be with me forever. That's wonderful. That's news. That's the job of the church. Say, you can have relationship with God and be with him forever. It's not about this life. It's about something so much more. And he's given us a hope and he's given us a future that we can look forward to. And he said, I'm not going to leave you alone in this life. I'm going to walk with you all the days of it. And then one day, I'll welcome you into my heavenly kingdom. And so when we give, it's just an act of response to what God has already done for us. It's an act of words saying, God, we love you. We praise you. We know what you've done for that. And God, we are just so thankful for it. Next thing, giving is an act of sacrifice. One thing that story tells us is you are never too poor to give. Are you? The widow was the poorest, yet she gave. And how much did she give? Everything. It cost her to give. We don't know the rest of the story. We don't know what, if that was a daily wage given to the widow. Is she, she going to get more tomorrow? Was that literally everything? We, we, we just don't know. Had someone given it to her? Or what? But it was, Jesus knew that, that for her at that moment, that's all she had. And she gave it. And giving should be, should be something we feel. There's a story back in 2 Samuel 24 of King David. And King David was going to build an altar. And God said he had to go and build it on a certain piece of land that was owned by somebody else. And as king, he went to that person and said, I want to build an altar to the Lord here. So we can worship the God. And the guy was overcome. Which the king has come. The king has come to my land. He said, I will give you the land. You can just have it so we can worship God together. And David said, no. He said, no, I will not offer to God what costs me nothing. I will pay for the land. I will pay for the wood for the altar. And I will pay for the oxen to go on the altar. And so it costs me something. And so he did. He paid the land. So he said, I'll buy the land from you. So you're, 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 you have the money for what you've given, and it will cost me as the king to worship Jesus. God is honored by degree of sacrifice, not by the amount. 
the, the author C.S. Lewis said this, quite insightful. He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusement is up to the standard common amongst those of the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not pinch or hamper us, I would say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Very insightful. So when we, are, when we give, we are to give sacrificially. Everything is God's anyway. We looked at that at part four. We're saying, God, you're more important than stuff. We looked at that in sermon two about what we're going to serve. We're saying, God, you're our treasure, because where your treasure is there, your heart is. So actually, we're acknowledging who God is. It also breaks the hold of materialism. When we looked at the very first part, actually, see, what are you going to love? Because ultimately, loving money leads to disaster. It destroys your life. And actually, giving breaks that hold on our lives, saying, actually, God, we love more, you more than we love money. And the tragic thing I, I, I read somewhere as part of this, actually, is that Despite us being one of the wealthy countries on the planet, actually, and, and having wealthy people in it, it seems that the more we have, the less we're likely to give, research tells us. They've done research. People, the more they accumulate, pay rises, get new jobs, actually, they're less likely to give. They're less likely to give. So we are to give sacrificially. Last one, giving is an act of faith. What did the widow have left? Nothing. It was, it was an act of faith. By putting that in the offering box, she had nothing. We don't know what she's going to eat, what she's going to eat. Well, what is she going to do? She, she, she had nothing, no resources left, but yet she gave, she gave it. Giving means we're trusting God for the future. Giving means I'm giving this away, which means now God, I've got to trust you to provide. I've got to trust you to give to me. And we saw in part three of this about what do we seek after. We seek first the kingdom of God. Then what does God's promise to do? He said, I'll, I'll provide for you. Not everything, everything you want, <laughs> not everything you want, but I'm going to provide what you need just to get through. And it's an act of faith. It's a, pre, pre, a, a supreme act of faith, taking God as well and saying, God, by giving, I'm going to trust you. Trusting in God's character, trusting that he's ultimately good. And we've been saying that, didn't we? All things work for our good. That's, that's God's heart. He'll take everything and he'll use it, even our giving. And we'll trust in him and we trust in his blessing on our life. God isn't a slot machine. Let's just clarify. It's not like if we give, we get back, like kind of we give money in and then it all comes back. No, we, we, we give to God and we trust that he will provide what we need in his way and his timing. It's also worth noting as an act of faith, this isn't advanced faith giving. It's actually basic faith. And the reason I know this is because Jesus, in Matthew 23, Jesus is railing against the religious authorities at the time, the Pharisees, who were super pious people who love God, learnt their Bibles, but they totally missed what it meant to follow him. And Jesus was just, they were hypocrites, self-righteous. He said, you've missed it. And in one of the things he railed against me, he says, you guys, you, you tithe, you give away your, your spice rack. He says, you, you, you take your mint and your dill and your cumin and you give away that, but you miss the important things about law and justice and faithfulness. And even uses this contrast between light and weight. He says, you give away the spice wrap, which is light. You sneeze on the spices and it's gone. But you, you forget the weighty things of law and justice and mercy. And he's basically saying, you've got the basic stuff, 
but you've missed the important stuff about law. You've got that. You're missing the big things, the weighty things. Giving is basic. It's 101. It's something we should get nailed as soon as you become a believer. It's not something you build up to or you wait for. You think, when I'm a mature Christian, I'll leave that to the leaders. Actually, it's something we should all be doing. And I know for us in our life, coming here, starting the church, we really had to put this into action. When we came here, I shared this in one of the earlier sermons, we took a 60% pay cut as a family as we moved here to start the church. And suddenly, and you have the honest question, is, do we keep giving? And it's like I was leading a small team of people who come to plant a church, and you're thinking, we can't stop. We're expecting them to. We've got to keep doing it. And we had to make that act of faith. God, are you going to provide? Even if we've had a massive pay cut in giving up our jobs, coming here, we're actually still going to keep giving, still going to be faithful to you and what you're going to do. And I can tell you from my experience that God has never let us down. Never let us down. All right. Oh dear, well, my notes have got mixed up. Excuse me. Oh, there it is. Okay, well, a quick word on tithing. If you've been around church uh, a long time, you'll have heard of tithing. Tithing literally just means tenth. People talk about tithing. If you read your Old Testament, tithing comes up a lot. There's lots of times it's in the law that we should tithe, that the people of God should tithe, da 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 And when the people don't do that, God gets very upset with them and says, what are you doing? You robbed me, all that kind of thing. However, you get to the New Testament. We're New Testament believers. We love the, the, the continuation of the story, but we're now under a new covenant, so things have changed slightly. Tithing very rarely gets mentioned. It actually basically is only mentioned a handful of times, and often negatively actually by Jesus. Not actually the tithes negative, but it's used negatively, how people are, are manipulating it. And, and so actually what the New Testament says, we are to be generous people. That becomes the overriding kind of thing. Not that tithing is gone, but actually we should be generous people. That should just be our heart to generous and give. And that's what the Apostle Paul talks about. That's what Jesus demonstrates, that our, our generosity... Uh, should be greater than that. Our, our righteousness should be greater than that, the Pharisees, he said. And they were really good at tithing. He said, well, actually, you should go beyond that. You should be better than that. You should be more than that. And I think tithing's a good thing in terms of a starting point. We'll look at that in just a minute. But I also think it's a bit mathematically silly. I remember a lecturer telling me this and when I was uh, doing some training once. Uh, and he said this to the group of students. He said, you know, I think tithing's a bit mathematically silly. We all stood up and looked at him and were like, what? What are you saying? Are you saying the Bible's wrong? What are you saying? You know, we're ready to burn him as a heretic or something. We're like, this is not good. But he said, no, no, just think about this. Think this through. He said, take this example. Take two extreme cases. He said, let's say we've got someone who's maybe, you know, a single parent or they're on minimum wage or, or whatever, the, the low end of the spectrum. Let's say they earn £10,000 a year. But let's say they love the Lord, they love Jesus, they're part of a local church, they want to follow what God says and they want to tithe. Do the mass. How much do they give over a year? £1,000. How much do they have left to live on? £9,000. That's just, that's good. See, I'm good at mass. See, so that's what they do. You think, okay, fine. Now let's go to the other end of the extreme. Let's talk about the high-flying exec who works for a, a big company or a bank or they're in sales or even they're a couple with a, a joint income and they earn £100,000 a year. Do the maths. How much do they tithe? £10,000 a year. Oh my goodness, that's huge. What a massive gift. That is so generous to any church that would receive that. What's the flip question? How much they got left? £90,000 to live on. I think they'll cope. I think they'll be all right. They'll get by, won't they? And the point he was making is actually they could give away twice as much and still have what? 80K to live on. That's staggering. That's breathtaking. And the point he was making, which kind of arrests me, is actually it's about generosity. 
It's about what we're giving away and what we've got left. And it really got me up short. And actually, I thought, this is something I need to think about. This is something I need to be challenged on. This is something, it's not just about following a rule, following a law. There's something so much bigger that God wants to do through his people in their hearts of generosity for us. So that being said, let's quickly kind of finish this off. What does this look like for my family? All right. All right. What does this look like? Okay, you put the next one up. Let me tell you, this break this down. This is for me. This is my family. Now, my income is £33,583 a year. My wife's income is £8,115 a year. We're both employed by the church. I work 30 hours a week. I give 10 hours voluntary. So that makes up my full time. Melanie works 10 hours um, for uh, the church. And so that's her salary. And that's our total house card in a 41.5K-ish. How do we get that salary? The directors who employ us, uh, they're based on a teacher scale. I like this because I'm an ex-teacher, so that just makes sense to me. And I think mine's done on the head teacher scale, so I'm the headmaster of the school that it works out. For me, that's like, okay, I can kind of get behind that. So that's where uh, they come from. So that's um, our, our income. I do need to say, though, because of our Ill- my illness and this sermon being pulled back and other things... I was meant to preach this like weeks ago, and since then, we've actually just as a church upped Melanie's hours. So it's like, oh man, I've done all this work, and actually, back in December, we decided to increase Melanie's hours due to the increase of the community events we're doing and our work overseeing the kids' work. So it went up to 20 hours a week, so that number should be higher, but literally, we started getting paid, it was this month, and the money hit our bank account four days ago. So we're kind of like... We're, we're trying to do it. So it's slightly different, and I'll tell you how it works. So of that, our giving has been 350 a month for the last two years. It's just gone up to 420 because as soon as we got the increase, we upped our giving um, based on that. And we did that before tax um, because we give God first, government gets second. So we take, we take a gift off the top. And that roughly works out just over 10% of our total income. So that's what we give, and that's our baseline giving. And we've been married 17 years, and our income has gone up and down that whole time. But we've always given, first and foremost, to the local church which we've been a part of. And that's, we're on our third now, which is you guys. And so we give every month, first thing, before the government get anything, we give off the top to the work of the local church. And it's now gone up to 420. That's what we do. Um, now, so that's our giving. And just to say, our life is normal in the sense of I have a mortgage, which is hundreds of pounds, I have utility bills, I have internet, I have television, I have insurance, I have council tax, I have other stuff. I also have a car that has all associated costs, um, you know, insurance and petrol and servicing and other stuff around. So we aren't living on a trust fund or anything like that. So that's our stuff. So that's what we do. So that's our giving. Our offerings, which we add on top of that, so that's our baseline, that's where we start. So it's now 420 a month, that's what we give to the church. And then on top of that, we just get, we want to be generous people. How does that manifest in us? Well, the first thing, food bank. We collect for the local food bank run by the URC church in town. Every week we give to that. Mel puts it in the shopping, and, and we're speaking about this, and Mel said... Um, what, what, what you try to do is think about a family this week. What could we do to bless a family this week? Find a meal or toiletries or whatever it is that they could go into the food bank and serve them. So we do that every That's kind of part of our life. We have a general kind of our general food budget for the, the week is pretty big because we seek to have people at home and feed them. That's just a lifestyle that we've built. So our food budget on a week is about £200 a week. 
where we feed our family and anyone else who happens to be around. We also, for when the prayer meetings at our house, we provide the stuff for that. When i praying with the guys on the eldership journey, we always have bacon signs. We provide that. When we have Iron Real Life Church at our house and we give cake and stuff, we're always doing that. And plus the people who just come through our door, we want to feed them. We want to bless them. We want to do that. So we make that part of what we're doing. Um, in terms of when we have offerings at church, the last offering we took was December which is what we gave to the youth center. As we were leaving the youth center and coming to the move to the girls' school, we said we want to take an offering just to bless them and say thanks for having us. Here you go. Give this to serve the young people of town. Our baseline gift for any offering is always £100. We say, God, we'll give £100 unless you say otherwise. So we gave at least 100 into that. Uh, before that, we did one for the refugees. Again, that's the same. God will do that, and we'll just, unless you say otherwise. Let's do, obviously, the fun run was on. We gave to that as part of that. Every year, we send a group of our teenagers to New Day, the festival, and we put out that actually, if some of you would like to sponsor some of those teenagers, Mel and I, last year when we did it for the first time, said, we're going to commit to paying to a young person to go to New Day every year until our boys are old enough. Levi's seven. So we've got like another four years of this, five years of this, until he gets old enough to go. And that's like 140 pounds. So we did that last year. We're sponsoring another child this year. That's just what we do. Plus, we just want to meet a lifestyle of responding to needs. If there are needs we see in people's lives that we can do something with and we can't meet everything, we'll try and help them as best we can. And so that's kind of part of what our life looks like at the moment in terms of giving. Um, Worth saying, though, because I'm your pastor and I lead you and these numbers will change over time, if you're a member of Real Life Church and you've, you've said, I'm with you, I'm part of Real Life Church, I'm here, if you ever want to know what I get paid and what I give, just come and ask me. I'll tell you. Seriously. It's, it's going to go up at some point, inflation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if you ever want to know, just come and tell me. Don't ask me, I'll ask me and I will tell you what I get paid. I'll make that commitment to you today. And I'll also tell you, because that number's irrelevant until you know what I'm giving. So I'll tell you both those numbers off the bat. What's the consequences for our family? Well, they're pretty big actually when you think about it. We don't have a credit card, never had one. In 17 years we don't use those. We've only ever owned one car at a time and it's always been second hand. And it usually dies. The last two have. I'm hoping that our current one doesn't die soon. But that's the trajectory of its life. It's going to die with us in it somewhere. You know, it'll just give out and then we'll have to find uh, another one. So we only have our own one car and it's usually uh, an old one. We're limited on holidays on where we go. Our kids have never been abroad. They don't have passports. I don't have a passport. It's lapsed. Now, we don't tend to do that. We tend to try to stay local and go for the cheap holidays just because we don't have the resources for there. As a couple, we rarely go out for dinner cinema, concerts. We, when we do go out for dinner, Tesco club cards are one of the greatest things in the world. I just want to say, when you double up your numbers, I just I love them. So we usually use club card points to help us. Plus, we're limited on what we spend on birthdays and Christmas as a result because we're choosing to use our resources. But here's the thing. Would I ever change any of it? Not for the world. Not for the world. I'm about Jesus and his kingdom and what he's building, and the way we, we live our life, I just wouldn't change. I want to seek first his kingdom, and we've got a plaque on our wall that reminds us every day, this is what we're about. So what does this mean for us today? What is the application for us? Now, I know many of you guys, I know you're a generous people, I know you love the Lord, I've led you for seven years now almost, and I know what you're like, but I want to just put some application out for all of us, and here's the one thing I want you to do. I want you to have a conversation. I want you to have a conversation. I want you to ask one question. And it's how are you honoring God with your finances in terms of giving? That's the only question. How are you honoring God in terms of finances with your giving? 
If you're married, I'd love you to talk to your spouse. Sit down, have a conversation. Block out time, no one around, just say, have a conversation about that. If you're widowed or divorced, single parents, single, find a trusted friend. Find someone who you know, have the conversation. Say, I'm not expecting you to do what I just did there. I'm just saying, have a conversation about how you're doing, what you're thinking, what's God's brought up with you about that. If you're married to an unbeliever, someone who's not part of the church, someone who doesn't profess to know Jesus or follow Jesus, we never hear, hear this, this is important, we never, ever, ever want money to get in the way of someone coming to know Jesus. Ever. The priority is always Jesus. And actually, you need to, to be aware of that. It'd be good to have conversations just about money and life and how that's going, but it must never come in the way. I know some people who are, who are married to unbelievers who are happy them to give bits to church and charity, and that's fine. Others not. But actually, the priority is always Jesus, but it's good, still good to have conversations with you. When you do sit down with someone and have a conversation with them and you want to maybe get some advice or something, please, before you start, ask them if they're giving, because if they're not, they're not worth getting advice from. That's what I'm saying, isn't it? Ask them if they're not, then they're not worth listening to. And I'd love us to keep ourselves accountable of this. This is going to be fun. Group overseers, there's three of them. I'd love you to ask your group leaders, have you had the conversation? Group leaders, I'd love you to ask members in your group, have you had the conversation? Do it this week. How's it going? Group members, ask each other, have you had the conversation? Don't give details, but just have you had the conversation? Then wait. The silence might be deafening. You know what I mean? But the problem is, before you ask someone, you have to have done it yourself. Because otherwise it lacks integrity, doesn't it? So group leaders, I'm looking at you. Have the conversation. Ask your people. We're going to finish now. This is a key area for us as a church. It's a key area for us as Christians all over the West. How we handle money in our lives will define the future of Western Christianity. It's a huge thing for us. Affluence and what it means and possessions and what we're living for. And what my heart is that we get some stuff nailed now. Get it nailed down. Get it dealt with in your life. Because I'm not standing here asking you for money, but one day I will. One day I'm going to stand before you and ask you for shed loads of money. I'm going to ask you to finance another church plant, which will be tens of thousands of pounds. One day I'm going to ask you because we might need to buy a building or lease a building or refurb something, and I'm going to ask you for hundreds of thousands of pounds to invest into God's kingdom. But that's not today. But what we want to do today is get some stuff nailed so when that does come and God says, okay, guys, no more baby steps. Let's start making some drives of God's kingdom. We've got some stuff in place. We've got some stuff ready for that. So let's get that dealt with right now. Okay, last time, get your wallets out. We do this every time we do this sermon. Get your wallet out or get your purse out. We call the series What's in Your Wallet. Look what's inside there. You know, moths and stuff and, you know... It's empty. Look at your wallet. We've done this for the first five week, four weeks. We'll do this one for the last time, and then we won't do this again. First week, we looked at loving. Look at your wallet. We said, what's in your wallet? Well, it should have a health warning in it. That's what we said we should be in there. Look at your wallet. Repeat after me. This can be dangerous. If I love this, it will lead to disaster. The next week, we looked at serving. Look at your wallet and say, I cannot take this with me. This reveals my heart. Where our treasure is, our heart is also, Jesus said. So this reveals it. I cannot serve this and Jesus. 
You can't. Okay, number three, seeking. The question there is, what are you going to seek? Look at your wallet and say, God will provide for my needs. And the last, uh, the last one we did last time, look at your wallet and say, this doesn't belong to me. It all belongs to Jesus. Last one, today's one. I use this to worship Jesus. I use this to advance God's kingdom. The question of what's in your wallet, effectively, is, is Jesus in there? That's the question. And that's the big one for us guys. How are we going to use our money and what God has given us? Because some of you are in jobs. You're at the beginning of your career. You're going to earn lots of money. You're going to earn staggering amounts. God's going to advance you. And the kind of church we are and the kind of town we live in, we're going to have people who are going to make big money on what they do. Highly trained, highly educated people. And so at this point now, let's nail this. So when that comes, that you've got it clear between you and Jesus, who's your Lord? And how you're living your life so you doesn't lead to disaster like the rich young ruler who chose to follow money rather than Jesus. We saw that in the first week. Can you want to stand? Can the band come up? I'm just going to pray and we'll finish. <laughs> okay, do you want to just close your eyes? Lord Jesus. We want to say we love you. Lord, we want to say we praise you, Lord. We want to say we thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Lord, we thank you that when we were lost in sin, when we were far from you, you came and saved us. Lord, we thank you for your great rescue mission where you came to earth, lived as a man, lived that perfect life, died the death on the cross that we deserved, rose victorious from death and now rule and reign in authority. We thank you for that, that through that we can know you. We can be your people, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, where it comes to this area of money, possessions, that's so prevalent in our culture, where it's everything is telling us to earn more, strive for more, accumulate more. God, we pray that you give us a heart for those who don't have much, that we're giving to serve others, that we're giving as acts of worship because we love you, that we're giving as an act of faith because we want to follow you and we believe your word. We're sacrificing because you sat, gave so much for us. Lord, give us a heart to serve the poor, to serve the needy, to serve those outside of ourselves, to bless the communities around us. Lord, we thank you for the generous heart you've put in so many people here. Lord Jesus, Lord, we say increase it for your glory and for your kingdom. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.